Welcome to David Clark's We Are Superman podcast, episode number 224. I am your host, Bill Stahl. As most listeners, I'm sure, know, I ran the Leadville Trail 100 this past weekend and uh, ended up a little disappointed with how things turned out for me race-wise, but certainly there were an awful lot of really positive things out there. So I wanted to give a recap of the entire race and certainly tip my hat to all those folks who went out there to run, as well as those who finished and crew, family, everybody else out there, because it is just such a great atmosphere in Leadville. And, you know, I know a lot of people who were out there for the very first time, some runners, some support, who were just blown away by what it's like out there, especially the uh, coming up, the the final stretch up 6th Street in, in the last couple of hours with everybody coming in. It's, it's just an incredible sight. So I know it impressed so many people and, and you know, it kind of leaves you just so um, – just inspired, maybe tear in your eye kind of thing. So uh, I'll talk a little bit about all those things here. Uh, my race in particular, um, as I said, did not go as planned. Unfortunately, um, I, I really went out conservatively, intentionally. Uh, one of the things that's always happened to me is basically that steady decline during the race. And, you know, David Clark had always joked about how, you know, you know that time when you rise like a phoenix, when things are really dark and you read other people who say that kind of stuff and it never happened to me. Mine was always just a slow, steady decline that I hope could po- I could postpone the ultimate crash till somewhere beyond the finish line. So uh, my strategy was to go out fairly conservatively. It got compounded by a couple of factors there. One is um, I was using a wearable light and uh, I'm, with the eye surgeries I had uh, last decade, uh, my eyesight at night has, has never been that good. Uh, the surgeries are supposed to improve upon that. Um, what it ended up doing for me is it creates halos around spots of light. So headlamps don't work very well for me. So I tried the wearable light. Um, I don't know what happened to it. I, I tested it out plenty of times, and what, for whatever reason, I could not get it bright enough. It just was not illuminating the trail well for me. And with the eye surgeries I had, I don't have great depth perception, so it's critical for me to have a super bright light. And I've got one of those super bright Petzl headlamps, which um, you know, it's like daylight out there. The, the only problem, again, is you know, my eyes just don't do well with that kind of light right over my head. And uh, my plan actually was going to be uh, using both of those coming down, um, you know, from, you know, basically during the nighttime hours, because I was going to need that extra light if that wearable light just didn't work out for me, which it did not. So I spent the first part of the race, which uh, the race starts at 4am, basically scamming off other people's lights. And so on one hand, I wanted to be close enough to be able to see their light, uh, use their light, I should say, but at the same time, not so close that... um, that, that uh, you know, I couldn't see the trail ahead of me because I really like to be able to see far enough ahead. Again, with my eyesight, it really helps. And at one point, there was even some guy who had a headlamp on the back of his pack shining backwards. I mean, what a jerk, I thought, because it's like, okay, you're sitting here blinding everybody behind you. I don't know if he did that intentionally or just uh, that that was his thing, but it's like, my God, dude, what are you doing? But in any case, uh, the other problem I have is that, um, again, with that depth perception issue, I was just way too tentative going over the rocky trail that goes around Turquoise Lake. It's very runnable, but there are quite a few rocky areas. You'd have to do a little uh, bunny hopping around rocks and roots and such. And I was just uh, too tentative. But in any case, I I got out to 
uh, May Queen aid station. I was in pretty good shape, but I really felt like I used way too much mental and physical energy getting out there. And despite the fact, again, I was trying to be in conserve mode because I really, I'd been training really hard to get up Hope Pass in one piece. It's always been my weakness to that uphill slog kind of thing. Um, I can run on, you know, slight uphills pretty well and run on the flats and run the downhills, but that uphill slog, even where you're using poles has just never been good for me. So um, conserving energy, like I said, I got out to May Queen, mile 13, pretty well. Uh, again, having used probably too much energy, went over Hagerman Pass and, and did that not too badly, got over to the Outward Bound Aid Station, probably closer to the aid, to the uh, cutoff than I would have liked. Um, my, my crew was terrific in both those spots there, then uh, ran up through uh, the... Uh, kind of very runnable stretch up towards the half pipe aid station. Uh, you run past your crew at tree line and uh, there was a bit of a wind in our face at the point at that point. But um, overall, it was really a nice day, by the way, uh, cool, uh, overcast, uh, just a little bit of sun poking through now and then, but it definitely kept uh, the temperatures and everything really nice. And um, yeah, you know, I, I was again, a little closer than I would have liked to the cutoffs, but I was cruising into half pipe and I was literally within earshot, you know, maybe quarter mile away from the aid station when I got a huge, um, left hamstring cramp. And that's the one thing I just hadn't really planned on, hadn't really thought about. And, you know, that there's a learning experience right there. I not prone to getting those, but you know it's just debilitating. Debilitating, I should say. You can't can't run, and so uh, kind of hobbled and you know got that out. Did manage to get to the aid station just fine. After that, was feeling good, and um, I ate some salted mashed potatoes, some salted watermelon, ate a banana, and uh, thought that would have taken care of the issue. Of course, you know um, the whole way I was doing. A, I thought a good job of keeping hydrated. I was drinking every fifteen minutes. I was eating gels and you know, bags of fruit my crew had put together for me. And, uh, you know, I think I was doing a pretty good job on the fueling anyway. But as soon as I left half pipe again, which is a, we got about two or three miles of really good runnable section there. I couldn't run because uh, my hamstring kept cramping up again, or I could feel it about to cramp and even had a side cramp on my left side, which is really unusual for me. But it, it was really the hamstring thing that was hampering me from being able to run. And so I was basically walking those two or three really runnable miles and, <coughs> excuse me, had a, uh, did have another runner on the trail very nicely, gave me 250 milligrams of salt, a tablet. And, um, <coughs> excuse me. And so that got, I think that may have gotten me over the hump there with the cramp. And so, uh, but then the course turns really sharply uphill. You do a lot of uphill point at that point. Uh, got a rain shower, so uh, took out my rain jacket, threw that on. That lasted, uh, oh, I don't know, I think I wore that jacket maybe 15 or 20 minutes, but um, definitely. Um, it was a um, d definitely a tough section for me, and then um, at that point, I realized, man, I am not going to make this cutoff unless I, you know, pull out pull a rabbit out of my hat here. So um, there's only oh I don't know mile and a half of downhill after you reach the crest there before you get down into Twin Lakes, and so I just bombed it down that hill in a last desperate attempt to try to make that cutoff because I'd gone from. Um, you know, 15 minutes ahead to probably 15 minutes behind because of that walking section. And um, at one point, you know, when I got through that little mini aid station where you can fill up your water bottles, I realized it just wasn't going to happen. I, and you know what? At that point, I just bombed down the hill anyway because I thought, well, I'm not 
not running Hope Pass, so I might as well just go um, go just totally all out. And um, as mentioned, got cut off at uh, Twin Lakes, mile 40. So um, the cutoff there was at nine hours and 30 minutes. I made it there about 9.45. And uh, to me, the biggest bummer was not having a shot at Hope Pass. Uh, even, even if I'd gotten to Twin Lakes five minutes before the cutoff, it might have been pretty unlikely for me to be able to get to Winfield, the turnaround point at mile 50, uh, without getting cut off. But after all the training I'd done to go at Hope Pass, um, I, I really just I would have liked to have had a, a shot at it. Uh, um, I, I did see uh, my, my old pal Sandy and and, and Mike Monahan, who are the, the cutoff queen and king there. Um, Sandy followed me the whole way in in 2015 when I was the last ass and I was within four minutes of the cutoff at every aid station. And so I, I did see Sandy at the aid stations. We had some really uh, fun little uh, uh, you know, interactions there all along the way until finally at the end she uh, – I, I got the the two hugs from Sandy at the end. You know the uh, the, the hugs you don't want to have. The hugs you uh, you'd, you'd rather have from Merrill Lee at the finish line. But I got the hugs from Sandy when when I got cut off there. So um, it, it's one of those things where uh, you know I, I was sore, forty miles sore instead of a hundred miles sore. So even it's a couple days later here, um, I actually feel decently. I ran a little bit with my cross country team yesterday, just a bit because uh, I, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that if I'd run all hundred. So. Not feeling too bad. It's just, um, again, a little bit of disappointment. The fact that I had a plan and, um, you know, it, it got, uh, not, I would say shot, but uh, like I say, there's a couple factors with the light and my footing in the early part of the race. And, and then the um, hamstring cramp, of course, was the uh, straw that broke the camel's back at the end. So cut it too close. Definitely a lot to learn from. Um, really, um, you know, was had my hopes high because my training had been going very well as I've I've talked about you know it's very rare to be able to get training go well leading to a race without something happening and especially in my case with all the injuries surgeries I've had and at my age you know you just um you know and I, I think back to a guy like uh, Mitch Dulick who um, guy I know who lives literally yards from the finish line in Leadville and he had also been running well he didn't have a good race last year so there's a bit, bit, bit of revenge for him and Two days before the race, he had tripped while doing just a shakeout run and ended up tearing his plantar fascia. And so he was out there at the expo the next day in a boot and on crutches. And man, my heart just broke for that guy because I know he was looking forward to it so much. And, uh, you know, those are the kind of things that can happen. So, you know, I was feeling very fortunate that I'd gotten to that starting line intact and, and feeling good and thought I had a good plan. I mean, I really spent a ton of organizational time. Um, I mean, I had whole notebooks put together for my crew so they knew exactly what I wanted, what I wanted to drop off at each aid station, what I wanted to eat. And, um, you know, had things really organized. I mean, I had a whole little uh, like plastic filing cabinet kind of thing with, you know, labeled one with batteries, one with feet stuff, one with stomach stuff, one with um, even eye stuff, you know, for for my contact lenses. Um, uh, chafing stuff, whatever. So I had things really well organized and uh, I'm going to have to add another drawer, I guess, to handle things like cramps. So uh, probably need to load up more on salt. Um, you know, one thing we had when I was working at the um, aid station during the Leadville Marathon, they, they had pickles there and I didn't see them at the aid stations there. Maybe I missed them, but uh, yeah, something something like that. I, I've kind of liked having pickles is something that really works well for um, getting the salt and, and maybe that would have helped me a little bit. So maybe I need to uh, load up with some pickles for uh, the next races I do as well. But 
So, so that's kind of the story uh, of my race there ended uh, prematurely sooner than I wanted to, but, um, but there were so many good things out there. And, and the first thing I want to say is I, I can't thank my crew enough. I had uh, so many people to, um, who came out to be part of that. Uh, Brian Farrington, a guy who I coached uh, back, oh, what, 20, 25 years ago uh, at Lutheran High School in Denver. He, uh, he was my crew chief, and uh, he took control of everything, which was just great. He was the guy who paced me in to my finish in 2015 when I was the last ass. And uh, Gabby Penaflor flew out the last minute from Kansas City. She'd actually paced me at, for the last section when I finished in 2010, and she came out and she helped decorate my car with uh, a rubber duck on top and a bunch of other decorations, a shark on the back and um, a star in the front and other glitter. I mean, because, you know, it's sometimes it's hard when you had all these crew vehicles out of places to even find yours. Well, I remember coming to the tree line, and man, I could see that rubber duck from a quarter mile away. It was great. So... Uh, and she came out, was a huge help to everything. And then uh, I had a guy, Josh Taylor, a guy who I first met last year at the American Heroes Run. He, a 19-year-old uh, college student at University of Colorado, who is, uh, he, he's going to be a future stud in ultra running. This kid uh, really has it together and awesome young man. And he, uh, you know, spent his weekend to help me out there. And uh, my sister and nephew came out from North Carolina. My sister Ellen, my nephew, Matthew, uh, I don't, I know they've never seen me run an ultra. They've never been in Leadville. They they have barely seen me run at all. And so it was really cool for them to come out and support me. And I, I know they, uh, it was disappointing. They didn't get to see me cross the finish line, but I know they really enjoyed seeing all the other runners and experiencing the whole finish line, which is, uh, as I mentioned again, is really a incredible experience. And uh, my hat's off to the Miller family, uh, who I coached son Shane back when he was in high school. He was a teammate of Gabby's and uh, his parents, uh, Scott and Shelley, who have always been great supporters and came up and camped out over the weekend and came up to help me out as uh, part of my crew there. So um, just lots and lots of gratitude to those folks. I had several other folks who were also in the wings who were going to be coming up there for the overnight shift as well. So uh, just so grateful to people who would give up their weekend and, and try to you know help you out and push this old man through this crazy ass dream of his to finish the Leadville 100 when I'm already at uh, yeah up, just about the upper limit of age for this race. In fact, I noticed in the results there was only one finisher older than I am now. So uh, that'll be my challenge for next year. So. And yes, I, I will be back. Uh, there's no doubt I've got some adjusting to do. I probably need to test some of these things out at uh, some other races in the interim. And, and I think, you know, one of a couple things I thought of I probably need to do is do more racing again. You know, when you get injured, you're not able to race much. I mean, I did a 50K in June, but I probably need to test some things out at some longer races. So that'll be something I'll be uh, pointing towards here. And uh, I got some other things planned as well. And then... Um, probably spending some more time at higher altitude. I mean, even though, you know, I see people from sea level come up to Leadville, which is incredible, and they sometimes are able to finish. Um, I, I, I didn't get to the highest, highest altitudes enough, and maybe I need to spend some more time just, you know, in a tent or something, just sleeping at higher altitude more often. Not that I really felt it. Uh, you know, I know it always takes a toll, but um, you know, I felt very good. Actually, never felt like I was out of breath or anything like that. It's uh, just, uh, you know, I, I think all those things can definitely help. So, um, and the other thing, you know, besides my crew, I mean, there were so many people who 
just supported me from afar, you know, through whether it's, you know, text, emails, social media, whatever. I mean, just so much great support. And some of the great supporters too were from the folks at um, Team Leadville, who uh, as I've talked about before, uh, they support a group called Warriors Ascent, which is a Kansas City area group that supports military veterans who are going through post-traumatic stress. And you may have heard Tony Hoffman on my podcast, on our podcast here several months ago, talking, or actually wasn't that long ago, talking about the great work those folks are doing. Tony himself, just incredible inspiration. I was very, very proud to represent them wearing their um, t-shirt, their their racing shirt actually during the race, as well as, uh, you know, their, well, I, I don't know, I've got the hat on because it just didn't get to that point of the day, but still very happy to represent uh, the Team Leadville folks because they, they're just incredible. So really, like I say, appreciate the support from all you listeners and everybody else who reached out both uh, before and after the race. Uh, that means the world to me. And, um, you know, I'm sorry not to finish, but I, you know, I appreciate all the words of encouragement about, hey, you made it 40 miles, whatever. And, and you know, it is funny, even when I talk to like my cross country team or the soccer team I'm coaching or, or, or others, you know, they're always blown away by 40 miles. To me, you look at it, it's like, oh God, 40 miles, that's not even half of the hundred. It's That sucks. And it, it is funny. Everybody else has got the perspective. Oh my God, you ran for nine hours and 45 minutes up in the mountains. And so, yeah, it, it's all perspective. So, uh, like I say, I do appreciate all that support out there and everything. So, uh, just want to talk about the race itself for a little bit here. Uh, they had, I think I read 369 finishers out of more than 700 starters. So kind of in line with the usual roughly 50% finishing rate. And, uh, you know, it was good weather. Uh, there were some more rain showers overnight. In fact, it even snowed a little bit on Hope Pass. Um, but, you know, I, I think it worked to the runner's advantages an awful lot. Uh, the winner of both the men's and women's races were just blew away the competition. Uh, Adrian McDonald, who is the defending champion, uh, was on the podcast after his win last year, ran 16.05, third fastest time ever. The, the course record is 15.42, I believe, Matt Carpenter. And um, he ended up winning by more than two hours. Uh, and uh, J.P. Giblin, a guy who I wasn't familiar with, uh, ran 18.07, more than two hours behind. And I think I heard he did the Leadman, which would probably make him one of the highest finishing, if not the highest finishing uh, in the 100-mile race for a Leadman. Um, I mean, that's just incredible. I know he's from Boulder. I know some of the uh, triathletes, uh, college triathletes, University of Colorado, uh, know about him. So he's he's involved with that group. Ryan Kaiser was 14 minutes behind J.P. Giblin. And then uh, my old pal, Tyler Andrews, was uh, not far, uh, was kind of dueling for second place much of the race. And um, unfortunately, Tyler had some GI issues, but he, he did come in fourth place. He was pretty beaten up afterward, but it was great to see Tyler be able to really persevere. Last year, he um, was at the front leaving Winfield and had pretty dramatic of a fall there, so to speak. And this year, like I say, he, he did, did fall, but only to fourth place. So um, just some GI issues caught up with him this time. So, uh, but you know, good work to him. And uh, Claire Gallagher, who uh, had won the race before and became an up, you know, kind of an unknown star when she, or soon to be star when she won Leadville the first time. She came back this year and ran 1937. She was 12th place overall. She uh, grew up here in, in Denver. She went to Cherry Creek High School. I knew about her as a cross country athlete here, and she's turned herself into quite the 
star of the ultra running world ended up winning for winning by more than two hours and 20 minutes over uh, Allison Himmelberg, who is from Estes Park. And then Lindsay Herman was another hour behind Allison. So uh, just a huge, huge win for Claire, as well as it was for Adrian. So a very impressive races out there. Um, some of the cool things out there as well is seeing people like uh, Hela Sadipe, who uh, you've heard on this podcast before, uh, incredibly motivational guy, first black man to run across America. Um, you know, it was inter- it was going to be interesting to see how his kind of training would translate because he'd never really trained specifically for this race inherently uh he did come out here to colorado the last three weeks and was training up in the mountains but that was kind of a new thing for him mostly he's just known for having a running streak that's gone on for more than five years and being out there motivating people everywhere one of the most uh inspirational motivational guys you'll see upbeat guys um it, it was pretty funny even at the expo and after the race seeing you know everybody just lining up to have pictures taken with him i mean it, it was so cool and he i know he was he was beaten up pretty good but he still had a great finish if you go back and look at the video, he was jumping in the air and he was excited as hell. I've, his time was uh, somewhere in the 28-hour uh, range there. So a great job by Hella. And uh, Harvey Lewis, who is somebody I've always looked up to, uh, the guy just does incredible stuff and is just a, such a really humble guy. He just still runs to school there, to school and back every day. He's a school teacher in Ohio and has done some incredible things out there, uh, most notably in some of the uh, big – uh, big back or, or the uh, backyard ultra kind of things. Um, he he was so nice to talk to after the race. He finished also, I think, in that twenty eight to twenty nine hour range. And he was when I was chatting with him, he was acknowledging by my God, what a beast of a course that Leadville is. So it, it's kind of cool when you see these uh, luminaries, if you would, uh, you know, come on out there and, and realize what what a beast that we tackle out here. So, uh, but you know, impressive uh, that these guys came out and finished it. And, uh, you know, it kind of shows you it really takes a specialized athlete to go and run, you know, it's times of 16, 17, 18 hours, whereas, um, you know, it's a whole different animal, this Leadville 100. So, uh, but good for those guys. And um, did get to ch- chat with Robbie Ballinger for a while, who was out there. Uh, he actually paced uh, Hella in from, I think he came all the way from Twin Lakes, which, um, you know, kind of incredible considering uh, Robbie had injured himself and wasn't able to do everything he wanted to. So, um you know, hats off to Robbie for sticking in there, but uh, always love to talk to Robbie. He's such a great guy. And uh, got to see the Macy's out there. He was on, uh, re- they were on recent, uh, recent We Are Superman podcast. Uh, Travis was out on the course r- r- right by Pipeline. So I, I got to chat with him very briefly going through. He gave me some great encouragement. Really appreciated that. And got to talk to Mace at the finish line. He was hanging out, uh, waiting for uh, runners there. And um, in fact, the whole finish line was like, like going to the Major League All-Star game. Um, major league baseball all-star game where you just see everywhere you turn there's a hall of famer walking around and you know in this case like i say mace was out there got to chat with him and um you know he's still out there cooking and he's fighting alzheimer's and you know the guy's gonna do it he's just awesome and um got to chat a little bit with scott jurek and courtney dewalter and um you know it was just so cool uh, you know being able to you know kind of rub elbows with those guys because uh, they came out and the, i mean courtney was even talking about how she was losing her voice shouting for everybody coming in and i would so encourage anybody to go out there those last two hours and uh, it's so cool because when the last hour everybody can have their entire crew coming in and their guys you know, guys I, I say that generically there are folks coming in you know they, they look like 
you know, whatever. And uh, some are in better shape than others, but they're carrying babies, they're pushing strollers, they got their young ones in tow. And uh, it is just so cool. You get emotional seeing that the struggle that people went through to get to the finish line and how happy not only the runners are, but everybody out there supporting them. So it is just, it's a scene. And I know a couple people commented like, wow, I've never seen anything quite like that. And the other place on the course is Twin Lakes, as many of you know. That's turned into just a huge party zone, uh, even more so the last couple of years since they no longer allow crews and pacers out to Winfield. And so pacers have to start at mile 60 at Twin Lakes. So it is just insane. I mean, you, you come in there and I mean, even from way up above, I could hear all the cowbells going and everything. And so when I finally was able to get down there, but I mean, they're just tents lining the street and, and actually heading out towards the, the Arkansas River portion of the course there towards Hope Pass. It's just incredible how huge that has become. And so that's kind of become a couple signature points in Leadville for sure. Um, a couple other people I want to mention out there too was Don Reichelt, somebody I know who, who lives up in Fairplay, was kind of out for revenge last year after a DNF. And uh, my hat's off to, to Don, who who did get a big buckle, beso- uh, you know, despite the fact he was hoping to run maybe, uh, you know, one of the faster times in the race. He came out of May Queen. Uh, um, I mean, geez, he was running like, you know, nine minute pace there, sub, and I know he was like 13th at Outward Bound. And uh, and he he told me that he just had some GI issues, I guess, from Twin Lakes, mile 40, outbound and back. He just couldn't even take in any food. It was just throwing up. And, uh, and he basically went like 18 hours without really eating food and just would not give up. I don't know how the hell you do that personally. So my hat's off to Don, who uh, still came in in 77th place. And uh, I think his average time ended up being like 1446, I think I read, which when you consider he was starting out at like nine minute pace, you can see how much he dropped off, but he ran a 2442. So uh, just remarkable. I mean, it shows, you know, the testament to the training he he did and, you know, living up in fair play, which is a, Another city that is almost as high up as Leadville. And then uh, I do want to give uh, some credit to Scott Sneller, uh, one, uh, a local guy that I coached who uh, unfortunately did not make the cutoff getting back to Twin Lakes. And, um, you know, uh, he, he busted his tail out there. He did great training. I'm really proud of him. He's a type 1 diabetic and has to manage his um, his nutrition very well, but uh, did a great job and uh, super proud of how hard he worked leading up to that race. So I hope he can take some uh, good consolation for, from the, you know, the kind of work that went in. And um, some of the people I got to spend some time and hang out with also, uh, one was Simone Brick, who you've heard on this podcast a couple of times with me and a couple of times with David before. Uh, so wonderful getting to spend time with her. She, this was her first trip to the States and she was out there pacing somebody else because uh, she's getting ready to do the uh, Pikes Peak Ascent next month after having raced just recently in Europe. And uh, such such a nice, super bubbly person. And it was just such an honor to get to spend some time with her. And uh, we, she sat down, had some lunch with us on Friday as well. And uh, she actually lent me her uh, her Solomon pants to use as rain pants. Uh, you know, when, uh, it was one thing I just did not have was good rain pants for uh, what the weather forecast was. Fortunately, it didn't rain that much there, but um, she also gave me some of these things called Revies. Uh, apparently they're, they're big in Australia. She's sponsored by them. They're like little Listerine strips. 
that are actually caffeine and you, you just put them on your tongue and they dissolve. And uh, they, they go from, I don't know, like 40 milligrams of caffeine to like 225 milligrams or something, which I, I think that's like taking an intravenous Red Bull or something there. But um, I didn't have the chance. To, she gave me some to use overnight. I didn't get a chance to use them. I'll, uh, I'll find out about them later on, I guess. But um, but yeah, really nice of uh, Simone to do that. So it was really fun spending some time with her. And um, and, and then, of, of course, nothing is uh, quite as cool as getting to spend some time with Ken, Ken Clober and Merrilee Maupin and, and Cole Clober, who were the you know the faces of the race, and really got to spend some good time with with, with uh, all three of them. And uh, Ken gave me some good wisdom afterward, a good quote from uh, Sir Edmund Hillary. Um, I can't remember it off time off the top of my head. I'm I'm trying to find it online so I can. Uh, actually print it off and put it on, on my desk here so I can look at that all the time because it's kind of emblematic of how I'm going to be coming back to that race. But uh, they're just incredible people. And, you know, they've created that family at Leadville and it truly is. And, you know, I've always said, you know, I've got one family in Leadville. I've got one family at Winfield, you know, when I'm not uh, running in the race, I, I'll work out at the aid station out there. But, um, you know, it almost feels like another family at the finish line, if you would, you know, just all the people out there cheering everybody in. And and that is led by Ken and Marilee and Cole. So uh, just they've created just such a great event. I I think next year is number 40. And, um, you know, my first race there was in 1992. So I I go back a little way and I I know I'll keep coming back. You know, they they say that uh, uh, their expression is you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. And that's certainly the case. Like I say, back in the 90s, um, I was just smitten with that race. I ran it first in 92, came back in 94, and finished. And I had an 11-year hiatus between finishes there, or even attempts when I had major knee surgeries. I had four knee surgeries between 95 and 2000, and the last one was a two-year rehab. So it was 11 years, but I kept coming back. And every surgery, I kept saying, I'm going back to, to run Leadville again. And, uh, you know, so Leadville does find you and it is truly a special magical place. I'd encourage all of you to get back there someday and, and do that race. So, um, you know, I'm just trying to think of anything else I may have there. It was just, uh, uh, just, just such a special experience. And, and, you know, the ultimate too, of, of course, is, you know, I'm always thinking of David. He's, um, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he was laughing at me when I was out there, you know, putting myself through that again. Uh, he was such a, a major part of the Leadville 100, such a, I, I just go back thinking of all those times when um, he, um, you know, struggled to finish the race, inspired all of us to go out and, and, and do our best all the time. So um, he's just, uh, you know, he, he's a big part of why I go back and why I continue to run, why I try to keep um, influencing others, you know, especially young people to get out there and run. Like I say, it was great to get Josh out there, a 19 year old. And, you know, hopefully he's going to be out there doing the race someday. And who knows, maybe, maybe I'm not going to run the race again. Maybe I'll just go out and pace him and some others. And, um, you know, he, uh, he, he meant a lot to this ultra running world. I mean, every time I talk to, uh, somebody like Courtney or Scott Jurek, you know, they, they all knew David and, you know, he, he's the one who, he made such a mark on so many people's lives. So definitely thought a lot about him out there. We are Superman himself. And speaking of David, just a quick note, I hope you've had a chance to get registered for the American Heroes Run on September 9th and 10th in Longmont, Colorado. This was David's brainchild. It was a tribute to first responders, military veterans and service people, and the lives lost on 9-11. We've got races that are 5K, 9.11 miles, 
half marathon, marathon, 50 mile, 24 hour and 100 mile. And uh, David's motto for the race was patriotism without politics. Certainly something I hope we can all get behind during these troubled times and divided times. And he was all about bringing people together. And what better way than in running? And it's a fast course. We have great support for you. So uh, please go to ultrasignup.com and search for the American Heroes and you go ahead and get signed up for the race. And we'd love to see you out there. Thank you very much for uh, listening to my recap of the Leadville 100. Uh, Like I say, there's some disappointment, but certainly some uplifting moments, and I will be back. So uh, thank you again for listening to the We Are Superman podcast, and make sure you subscribe. We've got some great guests coming up here real soon. I hope to get some of those people I mentioned onto the podcast here as well. So uh, make sure you subscribe so you can get all new episodes, and you can listen to those folks talking. And again, if you enjoy the podcast, best thing you can do is share it with your friends or on social media. And please take a minute and give us a five-star rating and a review. I'm so humbled if you would be able to do that. And it really helps more people find our show as well. So until next time, always be positive. Positive.